You're listening to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bishop. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, if you're new to this podcast, welcome. I'm glad that you're hanging out with us because each week I invite a guest onto the show to talk about a topic that is meant to be a catalyst for growth in our lives, to spark ideas, get unstuck, and gain new insights that compel us to action as we journey together to play full out and live fully into who we were created to be. Thanks to all of you who have shared how this podcast is impacting you. And as always, thanks so much for sharing this podcast with others. Well, to kick off our time together today, I want you to think about this statement. It's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. I'll say it again. It's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. What does that mean? Well, today I've invited Pete Scazzaro, author of his best-selling book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, to talk about what it means to be spiritually and emotionally mature and why it's important. A little bit about Pete. Pete is the author of the best-selling book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, as well as Emotionally Healthy Church and The Emotionally Healthy Leader. He is also the co-author of the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course and the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course. Pete is co-founder, along with his wife, Jerry, of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, a global ministry active in over 25 countries. He holds a Master's of Divinity from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary and a Doctor of Ministry in Marriage and Family. Pete is the founder of New Life Fellowship Church in Queens, New York City, a large multiracial church with more than 73 countries represented. And after serving as senior pastor for 26 years, he now serves as a teaching pastor and pastor at large. Well, Pete, welcome to the show. Lisa, very nice to be with you. Thank you. Your work literally has been transformational in my life, and I know that's what you're going for. I know your material, your courses, your books, everything you do is not about information. It's about transformation, and I've personally experienced that, so I'm just really grateful for the hard work you do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate I, that. I know that there's so much that you're up to in training and discipling, like literally tens upon thousands <laughs> of people and making your huge contribution to the world or world, or shall I even say that you're living your life unleashed and you're creating <laughs> that space for others. But to kick off our time together, I would love for you to explain what is emotionally healthy spirituality? It really emerged out of our journey. I mean, we, we were Christians, Jerry and I, for 17 years. And I was pastoring a church here in New York City, New Life Fellowship, but we hit a wall. And clearly, clearly the church was at a wall. I mean, I, people were changing, but not changing deeply. Hmm. Uh, we like to say, uh, as one person said to me, Pete, I've been a Christian 22 years, but really I've been a Christian, I'm a one-year-old Christian 22 times. Wow. I keep doing the same things over and over again. And I think that was our experience of, of church. Like people are changing, but not really changing very deeply, especially under stress and conflict. And uh, so we knew something was wrong, but then at our own lives, in my own discipleship, some things were clearly wrong. Our marriage wasn't going well. Jerry was miserable. We had four children, small, small children at the time. And uh, I found myself, we had a church split in one of our congregations that we had planted. And I was very angry at all these emotions. I didn't have any theology for that. Uh, and I was just tired. And so out of that crucible of pain, God, I like to say God invaded our lives. It was 1996 mm -hmm. and really transformed us. And it kind of launched us on a journey that we call emotionally healthy discipleship or spirituality today. And it really is the integration, as you said earlier, of emotional health and a spiritual maturity. And that is the, that is 
in a sense, that, that was our work for, has been the last 22 years, unpacking that. Uh, most people, they say 85% of Christians are stuck. In wow. their, they're spiritually stuck. And we believe a large part of that reason is there's some missing elements in our disciple making. And we would say it's what we call the emotional component of, of scripture talks about, uh, as well as a slow down spirituality. That, that's what makes a difference. So that, that's, that's really what that title is getting at, that there is these, it's these missing pieces that has got everyone stuck. Right. And, and church is stuck, recycling the same old problems. So you say that we can't separate emotional health and yep. spiritual maturity. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so, you know, we, we have many folks in our churches who know the Bible. They do a lot of Christian disciplines, very faithfully serve, but they're unapproachable, they're defensive, they're critical, they're judgmental, uh, they're not safe, and yet we, we consider them spiritually mature, and that is not what Scripture teaches about maturity. The Pharisees did that. I mean, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, it's really, it's love, right? That's what makes it. It's your approachableness, you're soft, you're tender, you're open, you're undefensive, you're not easily triggered. I mean, these are humility, brokenness. This is what makes a, a mature Christian. And I think that we have bought into a definition of maturity that's gifts, anointing, power, getting it done, mm. serving. And what we're saying is that, no, you can't separate uh, emotional maturity and spiritual maturity because it's going to come out in, your, in, in, in the issue of love and listening and tenderness. So for American culture or Western culture, it's a revolution. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about this, that a lot of people know the Bible. We know about God from a, like a head knowledge, intellectual, yeah. theological, but you talk about many are missing and it's probably 80 some percent you talked about the experience with god right yes yep yep and so a part of emotionally spirituality is not simply you know we do things like genograms going back looking at your family of origin two to three generations and how it impacts who you are today um grief and loss and how it enlarges our soul and how you know, we got a whole book called lamentations right two-thirds of the yeah. two-thirds of the psalms are laments but it's not uncommon to meet people. I, I don't do sadness. I just don't, especially, you know, I'm a guy and, you know, we're socialized. We don't do sadness and fear and, uh, you know, we just do anger, you know? And so we're, we're, these are large parts of our soul that are just untouched by Jesus. And, and you're not going to develop into maturity unless it's your whole person. And so I, I think all we're doing, I think we're just exposing people to biblical themes that are very big and very large. Uh, and I think that we've been blinded because part of our 21st century Western culture, and especially again, the American church, which is all about the externals and pretending everything is fine and how we look and appear. And, you know, this is about brokenness and rawness. This is like David, you know, he, he commits a murder and adultery and writes a song about it, you know, to get published in the, in the song book. This right. is, not, you know, if a person's not, if you want to pretend and impress people, that emotionally healthy spirituality is definitely not for you. <laughs> not, this is the, you got to go do something else. Um, and if you don't want to go deep and dig things up. No, no. And so we would argue that you can't, if you don't, I mean, our, our relationships were transformed. I mean, I mean, 1996, we had such a, we like to say we were born again, again. I mean, we really were. And, and it has been the best 22 years of our life as Christians, as husband, wife, you know, as leaders, as pastors. I mean, it's been, we can, you can never go back. Once you cross into this, you're done. Like you can't pretend you can't say yes when you mean no or pretend everything is right when it's not. It's just, it's just a, 
it's real, it's authentic, it's non-pretentious, and um, it's wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. yeah, I would agree. And you talked a little bit about this, but how, how do we know we're unhealthy? Some indicators are, I think, anger. You talked a little bit about that. Yeah. But what are for people listening and thinking? Well, I feel like I'm, you know, emotionally and spiritually healthy. What what would be indicators that they're not? Yeah, and actually, there's a great te- there's a great free assessment on our website, emotionallyhealthy.org, and you can take it. And it says, and it asks the question, am I an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult? And it's a little inventory, a little assessment. You can take it in 20 minutes. And it's going to ask you questions about, um, you know, how you deal with conflict, for example. You know, uh, do you run away? Do you withdraw? Do you give people a silent treatment? Um, you know, how, how aware of you of how your family of origin has impacted who you are, going back two to three generations? Would people that close to you say that you're, that you're open and vulnerable? What would they say about you, that you're a good listener? And so getting at kind of these angles, like we measure discipleship on, have you read the Bible? Have you, you know, do you know the Bible? Are you, you know, exercising your gifts and your talents and, you know, you're giving faithfully. And so we're looking, we tend to look at the externals. Uh, and I, I was a feeling guy. I mean, I'm Italian American, so I'm a high feeler, but I didn't do sadness. I didn't do fear. I didn't do vulnerable emotions. And yet everything's got to be touched by Jesus. And feeling is very, very important. So, so you'll hear a few things. One is, I mean, you're going you're to learn things like, you know, go back to go forward. That's a big paradigm thing that you've, that, you know, you look at how your culture and your family has shaped you because now you're in the new family of Jesus when you come to Christ and you got to break the sinful patterns of your past. So whether I came from a family where there was abuse, severe abuse. So I had all kinds, I mean, I, my, my wires were all screwed up. And my first 17 years as a Christian, no one asked me about how I was impacted. My wife knew something was, a lot of things were wrong. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to be connected to a wife. I didn't know, I mean, what did I know? I, I'd never seen it. I'd never experienced it. And in your book, you talk about the top 10 symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. And I'm just going to read them to, to give a little teaser yeah. to our audience. And then maybe we can tackle a handful. Yeah. So uh, 10 symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality, using God to run from God, ignoring emotions of anger, sadness, and fear, dying to the wrong things, denying the past's impact on the present, dividing our lives into secular and sacred compartments, doing for God instead of being with God, spiritualizing away conflict, covering our brokenness, weakness, and failure, living without limits and judging other people's spiritual maturity. Well, can we, can we dig into a couple of those? Can you kind of unpack the using God to run from God? What, what does that mean? Uh, I know it well, I've done it, you know? And so, uh, you know, so here, let's say, uh, you know, I, I don't want, I have pain in my marriage, right? I, which was my early days is true. You know, Jerry's unhappy and, so what do I do? I, I go to more prayer meetings. <laughs> and so, but I'm not, I'm not going to a therapist's office to look inside of that. Maybe I got some problems here. Mm. So that's a great example. Or even, even just, you know, I'm ambitious and driven and trying to impress people. So I'm going to really drive this church and build it big. You know, it's for God, but really it's about me looking good. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and so I think there's a lot of subtle ways that we do it. We, we, you know, surrendering to God's will, for example, is no small thing. You know, every day we pray, my, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And yet the Christian life is one of every day I'm, I'm surrendering my will to his will. What does he have for me? Well, that's, 
that's easier said than done. I mean, if you look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you realize this is not easy. Mm. And but yet many of us, and I one of the, I was included, I'm just like, I pray, okay, God bless my day, and I'm off and running. Right. And so it's kind of like God bless me in my projects. You're like my personal assistant, you know, and my helper. Mm. Versus, you know, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to live my life? That's a very different way to function. So using God to run from God is very easily fall into, very subtle. Right, right. How about the ignoring emotions of anger, sadness, and fear? And I'll just say, and I, I love your work, just flies in the face of what I'm about to say. But, you know, a lot of times as Christians, well, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't feel anger. Don't talk about sadness. Don't talk about fear, which I always think is ironic because you mentioned David earlier and he's like all over the place in the psalm. But somehow we've adopted this mindset that if we're a good Christian, we have to kind of ignore those emotions. So so talk, I know that's a a lot about your work. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at not just David, again, emotions and feelings are what makes us human beings. When you stop feeling, you'll be dead. Okay, so feelings just are, and that's what makes us human. And so if you look in scripture, God feels, and Jesus felt deeply. He was angry about Jerusalem and, you know, all kinds of things. Then you got a whole book called Lamentations. You've got Job angry and wanting to commit suicide, shouting at God. You've got Jeremiah, you know, suicidal. You got David all over the map. I mean, he's dancing, he's raging, he's doubting. But you see in scripture is... uh, folks who are pouring out their soul before God, but they feel it all. That's, that's the brilliance of it, but they bring it before God to listen and, and, and wrestle with God. They're not medicating themselves by going to porn or shopping or drugs or alcohol. We medicate in our culture, our feelings. Yeah. We don't know what to do with them. And so what we're calling for is like to follow scripture, which is no, we, we do what the great heroes of scripture do. That you, you bring it to God, you, you feel it. So I had, I had, I was 36 or 37 before I started this journey. I, I was all locked up. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't, if you said, how do you feel? I'd be great. Never got, depre- never got depressed. I was just trucking on for Jesus, you know. And, but that, whether I was a Christian or not, I wasn't going to do feelings. So it was really hard to get close to me. And yet you can't have love without feelings. It's not an intellectual exercise. So when I'm with a pastor, he's, he says to me, and often it's a he, he'll say, that, I don't do feelings. Mm. And I'm like, well, it must be very difficult to get close to you. You can't love without feeling deeply. And I like what Nowen said, the degree to which you feel your own losses is the degree to which you are a compassionate person. Mm. So I, I think, you know, I think we have a bad theology that goes back. It's just wrong biblical teaching. It's not like it's, you know, it's not like I'm into like touchy-feely. I'm into like being alive, being human. And Jesus was fully God and fully human. And we're fully human. And we're not angels in heaven. And it's just, it's really a Gnostic bad theology. So women in general, not all the time, tend to be more ahead, you know, than men and we're socialized. And so I think uh, women, you offer a great gift to the body and God's made in the image of male and female. And uh, we desperately need you. I mean, my wife saved my life. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be on this interview right here today. Mm. Wow, we love we love Jerry. <laughs> I love her. I love her work too. Yeah, and and I and I love that distinction too. You talk about like we bring our emotions to God. It's not like we can just kind of be a loose cannon no. all over the place. No. So, so really, the distinction is, God's like I created you. I have all those emotions. Express yeah. them. I know you have them anyway. It's healthier to bring them to me. So I, I love I love that distinction and and not being afraid. I think in relationship to express that we're 
experiencing these emotions too, but not letting the emotions hijack us, right? Yes, and that we're we're gonna God wants to meet us in them. So yeah. I, we had someone share with us yesterday that they she had her daughter her daughter had lost a baby mm. and at 35 weeks. And mm. it, was, it was actually a mistake from the hospital. Mm. And it, it was a tragedy. And, and we, Jerry and I were like devastated. We knew this woman, we'd known her for years. She'd come in to see us from out of town. We were like devastated, mm. but we realized she, she didn't have any emotion. Like she was like not showing emotion. I was like, and we realized she had a bad theology. Mm. And we felt so bad, like we were weeping but it was very hard for her to enter into it. Uh, and we said, and we just were like, you know, it was just sad to us because, and we pray for you. God wants to meet her in that pain. And just like Joseph in the Old Testament, God met Joseph in, through, and in spite of all the evil going on around him. And we believe very much that God's sovereign. He wants to meet us in all these things. So our, our griefs are incredibly important to grow into maturity. Uh, but who wants to grieve, right? We'd rather medicate somehow and run away from it and uh, but no god is in that and so we we believe in in the aliveness and reality of we serve a living god and he is moving through the real junk of life he's in it and if we don't feel we're missing god in that and i think scripture bears that out yeah how, how do we do this well in the context of community because we, it has to happen in the context of community yeah, yeah. what does it look like to do to do this well in that context yeah. I always thought, what's the goal of a community? I mean, a Christian community to me, a church, we are meant to be a countercultural people who love and relate very differently than the world. And things like vulnerability, brokenness, weakness, these are the things that need to characterize our community. I mean, this is, this is what makes us different. Emotionally healthy spirituality is not a quick fix. Right. It's not. Be a very quick fix. Plug and play. This is not for you. Um, yeah, it's not. I mean, this, yeah. is, this is for, I really want to grow in Jesus. I want to become a spiritual adult. I want to break free. Jerry and I would say that the church is like the, the, the uh, Luke 13 where the woman's bent over and she's crippled and she's in church, but she's been bent over 18 years. We've got a lot of people who are crippled and paralyzed in church. And we've got to set people free and break those bondages, deliver them so they can stand up straight and see life and see the world. And really, like is our podcast, I love your title of your podcast and live a life unleashed, all that God has for you. But that's going to take, you know, I'm into zaps and the power of God, but you still, you, there's no going, there's no getting around. You got to die to live. Right. There's a crucifixion for a resurrection and the hard work of discipleship's got still be done. Yeah. And, and we live, you know, in my day, it was the microwave society, but people are like, what are microwaves? I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Anymore. No, I mean, now it's like you can get everything in an instant. So we're like, oh, I can get transformation in an instant. No, but as you said, this is like a lifelong work. Like it yeah. never stops, right? You keep yeah. excavating yeah. and you keep growing and you keep, yeah. So let's, let's cover um, two more of the emotionally unhealthy spirituality kind of indicators. And then I want to transition into um, emotional adulthood, what that looks like. But the, the doing for God instead of being with God. And I know this is a, a big part of your daily office helps to incorporate the being with God piece. But can you just in a handful of sentences describe to our listeners, what, what does that mean doing for God instead of being with God? Or how do I know I'm doing that? Yeah, I mean, just, just think of, if you're familiar with a, a, a book 
called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Yep. Jesus says to us in John 15 that we're to remain or abide in him. And the goal of life is that we're, we're abiding in Jesus all through the day when we're active. That's the goal. Like, so like right now we're doing this interview, but we're aware of Jesus' presence between us here. So I'm talking, you're talking, you know, but Jesus is here. And the, and the goal of life is that when I'm driving home a little bit later, I'm aware of his presence, right? I'm having dinner, I'm aware of his, I'm on vacation, I'm aware of his presence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, my whole life is just abiding in Jesus. And so it's out of this being, so I'm in a, it's easy to go hours and hours and not think about God. I mean, it's just like, I just, I, I, I prayed, I did a little devotional, I read my Oswald Chambers, and then I'm off and running. <laughs> and that is not enough to sustain you for a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to teach people to be with Jesus as a lifestyle. And so we know to integ- for that to happen, there has to be a dimension of a silence and solitude in your life uh, where it's, you've grown, you're growing to a two-way relationship with God. It's not just you talking. It's actually like, I'm being still before the Lord, you know, and waiting patiently for him. It's let all the earth be silent before him. It's like, just shut up. Like, just, you know, be quiet. Like, just be with him. That's a mat- Imagine having a relationship with someone and all they do is talk. Mm. I mean, that's a very immature, stunted relationship. And so part of what emotionally healthy discipleship is about is moving people to a, to a, to a, a, a communion with God where I'm just, I'm learning to be with him, not to get from him. That's a, that's a huge shift for people. That's big. And, and the most difficult one, the reason we moved it from a book, like you can read a book and a book is helpful, but we found out people have to live it. They got to do it. Yeah, totally agree with you. And it, you know, the first thing is to read it, even get yeah. familiar with the concepts, right? But I'm absolutely yeah. agree with you that, you know, we can't treat, this is not information that we just, oh, I read a good book. It was great. Yeah. It literally, it, it, your goal is transform lives. And that's why I yeah. think your work is so awesome. Talk real, uh, j- just a couple um, yeah. minutes about spiritualizing away conflict yeah. as uh, an indicator of being spiritually. Because I, I, yeah, let's, let's, because I think I don't know how many conflict people we have out there that just love conflict. No. So, so talk to us about that. No, I'd say most people, 95% of us hate conflict, right? I mean, I, and I think, again, we're back to, we do what our families did. We, we, you know, we come from families which, you know, do things like, you know, some people withdraw, they give, give you this, I do give people a silent treatment. I'm passive aggressive. I lie, you know, I'm condescending. I criticize, I do name calling, you know, all that stuff and placating, you know, yeah. I'll be a doormat. I was a doormat, uh, you know, just blame me. And that all comes out of your family of origin and history. But in the new family of Jesus, that's not how we do conflict. Learning, how do I negotiate our differences without making assumptions, uh, without you know, ridiculous expectations, in a way that I speak directly, clearly, and respectfully. I listen. But I can declare myself that that's a very mature thing to do. But in the new family of Jesus, we don't do conflict like the world does it. That is a core discipleship issue, and it's a good barometer of your maturity of when you're under stress, whether it's with a boss or a spouse or even your child, do you revert back to being nine years old? Mm. And we like to say, just spend three days with your family of origin and that will tell you whether you've really broken through into maturity. Yeah. Most of us just go right back, you know, right. Well, back into being the youngest kid or whatever it is, our middle child 
we could be in our fifties, you know, it's so funny. I <laughs> <laughs> just fall back. So it, it, it's really looking at those moments. Anybody can lift up their hands in church and praise Jesus. The question is when you're with the people closest to you in your middle of a conflict, that's going to reveal a lot, mm. but that's not going to change by a sermon. That's going to change by being discipled very intentionally in how you do relationships. And most, I have pastors say to me, because most of the discipleship is two courses, the spirituality book you're reading is the basis for one, which is loving God. The second one is relationships, loving other people. I have pastors say to me once, Pete, listen, I, don't, I, don't, I just want to do loving God. Like I'm into that and silence and all that contemplative. But I just, this relationship stuff, I'm really uncomfortable. I, I just, I don't want to bring it to my church. And I said to him, do you understand that if you don't disciple your people and how to do relationships, you're destining them to immaturity. Mm. That was Jesus' whole conflict with the Pharisees was you love God, you tithe, you fast, you read the Bible, but you, you're unmerciful, you're cold, you're condescending, you're, you don't get it. You can't separate loving God and loving people, but they kept separating it. Jesus kept saying, you, you're, no, you're missing the heart of the Bible is go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Well, you, you call in your book, you, you transitioned into what you call emotional adulthood, and you say that it requires that we mature through our defense mechanisms, which I think you talked a little bit yeah. about that. But anything else you would say about what yeah. that means? Yeah, I, I think, you know, an emotional adult, it's really going to come out in your relationships. And, you know, an emotional adult has mastered holding on to themselves not losing themselves, and yet being able to uh, enter into somebody else's world. And you can't talk about emotional adulthood without talking about mature relationships. And, and I, we found that I, in 1996, I, I, both of us were, were bad at relationships. I mean, we loved people, of course, but our families didn't teach us. We didn't grow up in families that were connected hmm. emotionally. So what do we know about emotional connection? So we had to learn to make a complaint in a way that was respectful, how to have a clean fight. We say no dirty fighting, you know, in the family of Jesus. <laughs> and so over these, over these 22 years, we developed eight skills for the church to, to actually help disciple people in relationships because unless we disciple them, they're not going to change. That's what I think we found out. It's not going to happen from a sermon. Like, be kind, be loving, be forgiving. Like, that, like how do you do it? Hmm. And I think Jesus lived with the 11 12 disciples because he wants to show them how do you live this thing out? It wasn't just listening to a sermon on the mount. You know, we have to have a degree of vulnerability and honesty rather than living our lives pretending. Like we can't have the abundant life that Christ came to give if we're pretending and hiding. We, yeah. we, have, to, we have to be vulnerable. We have to be honest, but creating those safe, those safe places to, to do that. It's, it's, so, it's so critical. I, mean, I, think, I think the greatest example to me is David. I mean, David commits murder and adultery and writes that song in Psalm 51. He makes sure it gets published in the hymnal. You know, as people sing it at church and he makes sure the story gets recorded in 2 Samuel. Like, how many leaders would ever do that today? Like, I mean, but he says God delights not in burnt offerings, but a broken and contrite heart. So I think brokenness, and Paul says, I boast about my weakness. Those are, that, that's to me is the criteria for leadership. But I, I want to know if a person's broken and vulnerable, honest. Like that to me, that, that's where the power of God's going to come. That, that's where it's at. And I'm too, you know, I feel like I'm too old to play church anymore. I'm not interested. Mm. But I think there's a great hunger, especially among the younger generation. There's such a hunger for authentic spirituality 
that comes out of brokenness, that's experiential and real, doesn't have all pat answers. I, and I think that's, that's what's so ironic. This stuff is very popular. It's just following through. I think it's a great challenge for people. Everyone finds it good. It's great books to read and all that. But to us, it's like, no, we really want to like live this thing. Like that's what interests us is living it. That's yeah. what's good. And I love the church. We love the, and we know God loves the world. And so if we can help that a little bit, move the ball down. We'd like to do that. Well, I think you're doing a great job. Any final thoughts or a final charge for people as they, as they become more emotionally and yeah. I, I, I think a great place to start is I would go to that website and take the inventory or assessment. Am I an emotional child, adolescent, infant, or adult? And it's on emotionallyhealthy.org. I would look at that, take it. And that'll give you a good starting point, I think. And, I, and again, our, our thing is you want to find out about the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Courses. That's, that's really a fruit now of our 22 years of work of now we feel like, okay, we've now got it in a way it's taken us a long time to get here that we can help people actually implement it if they're, if they're willing. It's still a big pill to swallow, but it's a big problem. But we feel like we're finally at a place like we can help churches actually do this. So Lisa, I hope we can help you. And any listener that's interested in being helped, contact us. We'd love to help you. And that's our ministry, right? To serve you, to do this in your context. Yeah, and, and listeners, you can find this amazing anointed work at emotionallyhealthy.org. All of uh, Pete and Jerry's work is there and all of the upcoming opportunities to engage in their work as well. And Pete, you're also on Twitter. Are you a tweeter? You're a Twitter? I am. Big you're Twitter. Big Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> Just go at Pete Scazzaro. It's an S. It's S-C-A-Z-Z-E-R-O is how you pronounce Pete's Scazzaro. last name. Yeah, Pete Scazzaro. What is that? Is that Italian? What is that? It is Italian all the way. It's all full Italian. I love Italian. <laughs> well, you have been absolutely amazing. I'm so grateful. Just thank you so much for carving thank out the time. You. I know you're busy. You're up to awesome things. You're living your life on leash and you're showing others how to do the I, same. I love your title. I love your title of your podcast. So thank you. And God bless you, Lisa, and what you're doing. Well, that is it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. A reminder, if you haven't already, to subscribe to this podcast so that when they are released, you get them hot off the press. As always, thanks for sharing this podcast with others. And remember to go to emotionallyhealthy.org to get your spiritual health assessment. See where you rank. Are you a spiritual infant? Are you a spiritual adult? Maybe somewhere in between. And then you can grab emotionally healthy spirituality, which is Pete's book. You can get that on amazon.com and that's going to give you a lot of tools and ways that you can transform and continue to evolve into a spiritually and healthy emotional adult. As always, I am cheering you on, rooting you on guys. Let's play full out and live fully into who we were created to be. And we'll see you next time.